Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. We are joined by uh, a couple special guests today. Uh, Josh Hammer from The Daily Wire back in studio. Great to be back with you. Thank you. Thank you for he- being here. And for the first time in the news and why it matters history, we have a presidential candidate mm. on the show. <laughs> Ami Horowitz running for president. How lucky are you people to have me here with you? I mean, ratings through the roof. Unbelievable. Thanks to you. Unbelievable. Thanks for being here. Uh, Stu, what's your top story today? You can approach the CNN town hall ratings. Well, that would be really <laughs> impressive. I kept Secret Service away from the table. Okay, thank not you. Not to intimidate you guys. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, I want to talk about the death of common sense and personal responsibility in Texas, of all places. All right. Josh. Let's talk Brett Kavanaugh. Is he a liberal? Is he pro-plaintiff's bar? Is he anything other than conservative? We'll, we'll figure it out. All right, Ami. We're going to discuss Rashida Tlaib. Anti-Semite or not? Mm. Spoiler, she is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's not even close. Uh, obviously, a lot to get into, but first we want to thank our sponsor, iTarget Pro. Um, I'm not sure if either of you have heard of iTarget Pro, but it's really cool for people who are into guns. Um, it's this laser bullet. Yes, literally a laser bullet that you put into your your gun and you can dry fire um, over and over. And if you, it's on the screen right now if, if you guys want to see. But um, it, it keeps track on an app. You put your phone right next to the target and it keeps track. And, of course, you know, shooters know that the most important thing when, uh, you know, you have a gun is to dry fire. That's how you get to know your weapon. That's how you get to know the pole. Um, and iTarget Pro helps you do that without going to the range and spending unnecessary fees on ammunition and on range fees. It pays for itself. You can train at home. And you don't have that really annoying uh, thing where, like, you're you're shooting holes in your walls. I mean, that's annoying. Yeah, try not to do that. Yeah. Especially if you're in an apartment. Right. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> iTarget Pro helps you eliminate that. You can go to iTargetPro.com. Use promo code NEWS and you will get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's iTargetPro.com. Train at home with iTarget Pro. Can we get those in our goodie bags? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you're a, what do they call them at the Oscars? The swag bags? Swag bags? Yes, this, here at the News and Why It Matters, we do have extensive swag bags. we pay major taxes on it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right, Stu. Uh, so as a veteran of working at Chili's, uh, I am... <laughs> did you uh, really? I did, I did. And uh, I was trained at Chili's. Uh, I trained well enough to get a 99 on my secret shopper score as a waiter. So, wow. I mean, that's, uh, that's the first thing no on my resume. Deal. No you know, deal. No big deal. I don't wow. bring it up, but you guys asked us. You should be the presidential candidate. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things they trained us on when we got in there was uh, if people are drinking, you are responsible for making sure that they don't drink too much. And... I, from the second I heard that as a law, I, I thought of that as just completely insane. I mean, like, I, I was at the time probably 19 years old, and it's like, I'm supposed to monitor their individual blood alcohol levels of every patron that comes into this bar? Like, how the hell am I supposed to do that? And some people hold their alcohol better than others, exactly. so how would you know? How would you possibly know? And I think it's a completely unfair standard to put on some bartender who's, you know, 23 years old. And, like, I mean, you know... Everyone should take a step of personal responsibility as well. If you're a bartender and you think it could be a dangerous situation, the restaurant can have a manager come in and try to enforce these sorts of things. But to put a law on it to try to make, you know, to to, to make, uh, to take away the personal responsibility mm-hmm. from the person who might be driving drunk and put it on the bartender to me is completely insane right off uh, at, the, yeah. at the start. But I realize I'm not necessarily, uh, you know, not everyone agrees with that. Um, but this case, I think everyone does agree with because it's completely nuts. So it's a woman, her name is Lindsay Glass. She was a bartender at a bar in Plano, uh, Texas. And if you'll remember the story from a couple years ago, it was a really terrible story. A guy murders uh, uh, his ex or his estranged wife 
and seven other people at a cowboy. They were watching a Cowboys, Cowboys game. Party, yeah. um, and it was, you know, a mass shooting, basically. It was a, it was a big story at the time, for sure. Um, but only now is this coming to light, where Lindsey Glass, who was the bartender that this guy went to, uh, decided uh, is now being charged for overserving him. And, you know, the idea, I guess, being that he was so drunk, that's why he committed these murders. And she's an, basically an accomplice to this, is, is what it feels like. So that is the kind of setup here. Let me give you the actual details of the story. First of all, uh, you know, you, drinking a lot, how much would you have to drink to, to go to murder eight people? I feel like it would be a lot. Like, you know, I can't even think. Yeah, okay. Sixth, I know the number. Yeah, yeah, I know right. the exact yeah, number. Yeah. I don't want to get into it. But. Okay, okay. <laughs> but she was, uh, he, he was served five drinks at this bar. Five drinks. Now, five drinks for, you know, a guy, uh, you know, of normal size is not going to be the, to the level where you're going to In go. how long? Yeah, right. Exactly. Good yeah. point. So uh, he was actually only served four of the drinks, though, by this one bartender who's getting charged. So she, she served him four drinks. Now, four drinks, even in an hour, would not be enough to, you know, be completely crazy, though, you know, you might be over the legal limit, but whatever. So four times she was served. But that was over two visits, two visits to the bar. Split over four hours. Wow. So, wow. Uh, so he was there at two thirty, and then came back at six thirty. Over that, uh, over the entire day, he served. She served him four drinks. That's a drink an hour. A drink an hour, which basically would add nothing to your blood alcohol yeah, right. level. Um, or so Wednesday for me. Right, or Wednesday. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get along just fine, yeah. <laughs> So it was two well gins and uh, two beers. She she served him. Now. She noticed that she was a little worried that he may have drank at, in between the two um, visits at another bar. So she was a little concerned about this. So she took the extra step to actually text someone else, one of her friends, to and ask him to say, hey, like, you know, look, this guy seems a little drunk. He's acting a little weird. He's talking tough, talking about I got to even a score with somebody. Um, and so, you know, but that's bar talk, right? Like that sort of stuff happens at bars all the time. So uh, he call, she actually texts her friend. Her friend comes in to, to, uh, to the bar and actually starts talking to this guy uh, as well. Now, he's acting a little weird, and he, you know, but again, I guess they, he was a regular and they kind of knew him and he was kind of a strange guy. So then the guy tries to leave the bar. Okay? At this point, she thinks he's drunk. She's texted this to her friend. I don't know, he's drunk. He's acting weird. So what does she do? Let him go? Just abandon all responsibility? No. She actually steps in and tries to stop the guy from leaving. Now, what is she supposed to do? Tackle him? Shoot him? Like, I cut his Achilles heel? I don't, I don't know what he's supposed to do, but uh, he, she tries to stop him unsuccessfully. He gets into the car, and, and, and he leaves. So what does she do? She abandons all responsibility? No. She leaves the bar to go to try to find him. Okay, like to me, this she's already way past is, the point yes. um, where she's taken more responsibility yes. than she needs to. And incredibly, she actually finds him. She finds him at this house where this shooting eventually happens, had not happened yet. So what does she do? She just drives back and says, oh, well, I can't believe that's It's probably over. I'm going to abandon responsibility. No, <laughs> she calls 911 at this point. And she says that uh, this guy is um, uh, in danger. I have a friend in danger, and he is in possession of a gun and a knife. Now, this is a lot of steps. She's done a really good job to me here at this point. She then goes back to the bar, but then sends her friend back again to the house. The, the, guys, the guy's going back to the house. The, the, he flags down a, a police officer and tells him in, in person that we think there's a dangerous situation going on with this guy. Right as that's happening, the, the calls start coming in about the shooting, and they go over there, and the shooting has occurred. Now, I mean, and, and the one additional fact that is interesting is uh, apparently when she was being interviewed after this entire process, the detectives on the case told her she acted uh, uh, admirably. 
mm-hmm. and did. I mean, and I think she did. I, I mean, honestly she put think, herself in harm's way. Really. Yeah. I mean, if I, my girlfriend, my my wife, I am not telling her to go chase down some drunk guy with a gun to try oh. to prevent whatever the hell he's doing. Stay the hell away from him. Yeah. Um, so she went, I think, above and beyond in so many times, uh, so many ways. And I think this boils down to something where. Instead of her being acted, uh, treated like a hero, she's being treated like a criminal. And this is like, number one, the, the responsibility for all of the terrible things that are happening. They're trying to spread it to her. And it's like personal responsibility should still be a thing. She shouldn't be responsible for even his driving, but let alone the idea that four drinks over four hours somehow increased his chance of murdering eight people is completely nuts. And then beyond that, um, you know, there has to be some level of common sense. What are they even attempting to do here? I mean, what is the justice they're looking for? I mean, this is someone who obviously, even if you can say she made a mistake and should have recognized and not served him another drink or something, I mean, she obviously tried to, to do everything she possibly could, including calling the police and contacting them twice to try to stop this. What is the goal here? Can we not apply common sense at some level and say, here's a person who we should actually be holding up because honestly if she just let him go there's no they wouldn't they wouldn't have done anything the fact that she did all these steps and texted and got worried and did all these additional things is the reason she's in trouble and we're encouraging people to not be involved it's like the opposite of she's being prosecuted something she's being prosecuted for this for overserving she could spend a year in jail and where where is this this here. is in Plano, Texas. Here, it's about 20 Texas? Away from yes. here right now. We need a presidential candidate oh, who could do something like this God. about something like Executive this. Executive order. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Can, we, can he pardon? I don't think he can pardon. It's a state offense. Yeah, but this is fully insane. I mean, one thing that you learn in law school is you talk, every first year law student learns about theories of liability, is like when you're suing or you're prosecuting, who can be held liable. This is not even a close call, okay? Four drinks over the course of four hours, as you said at the outset, that is literally the legal limit. Mm-hmm. Like, you are not even theoretically going to drive drunk, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, a court, drink an hour. Yeah, a drink an hour is what you're supposed to do. I mean, I hear what's going on in the details of the story, and I think Good Samaritan. I mean, I think something much closer to, like, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient yeah. than, like, yeah. Scofflaw, who should be locked up behind bars here. I mean, mm-hmm. we should be holding this person up as an example of going beyond the call of duty. But it's just an egregious... Law. I mean, like, I, I, I is, is this is state statutes too. Is yeah, it? yeah. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, like, why is the legislature not talking about this? I mean, like, this. Hopefully, this gets out there because this strikes me as just completely unjust. This Texas Alcoholic Beverage Code. Okay, so so administration probably not an actual statute, but regardless, that should be repealed. Obviously, yeah. I mean, this is just egregious, um, and especially just a ridiculous use of it. I mean, I, you know, even yeah. if you think there could be a case where you're going to let someone walk out with a ridiculous blood alcohol level, which this guy had when he died. I mean, he was he, had, he apparently had a lot of alcohol, mm-hmm. but that's the reason she was concerned and tried to do something about it. Yeah. Ami, you want to weigh in on this? Before I mean, I, I have no words. I don't even know where to begin with something like this. I mean, look, there's a lot of crazy laws on the books. I think there's a law where you can't have a sandwich in your hand when you cross. Uh, I kid you not, when you cross uh, a rail crossing in some state. But I don't think anybody's been prosecuted for that last time I checked. So I think it's about the application of the law more so than the uh, silly law. Um, but I would have. Ex- I asked you where was I expected it to be Seattle yeah. or San Francisco, but yeah. but in Plano, Texas, you would think. Maybe the Beto thing was real here. Maybe there was something. There's something up with Texas, and that yeah. scares me a whole lot. 
if that's the case. Well, we just talked not to not to make it way more somber, but we just talked yesterday about the the ten day rule that we have in mm. Texas. Josh, I don't know if you've if you've seen this I don't at think all. I have, no. so if you drop food on the floor, you it's wait 10 not. Days. That's okay. the ten second rule. It will be somber. Though. Close call. Yeah. That's close. Been, Sometimes I've in our house ten... we extend it to thirty seconds, depending <laughs> on how. Uh, ten days would be aggressive though, on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, uh, don't judge me. <laughs> you get really hungry at that point. But uh, the the ten day rule that Texas hospitals um, have the right to invoke for any reason that they determine if they have a patient that they have just determined on a whim that um, caring for that patient is is futile. The patient, they can say for whatever reason they don't think is going to get better. They can then make the decision to pull the plug on, um, on the patient. They only have to give the family 10 days notice. And mm. it's like you don't, you know, the family doesn't get to challenge it. I mean, they can take them to court. You know, and good luck if they, you know, don't run out of time in the meantime. But that was going on also too. Also, can't so remove them to another place uh, often. They right? Can't even yeah, take yeah. Them yeah. To a place that wants to have them and treat the patient. The hospital obstructs their, you know, their ability to try to transfer them. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I mean, you think about Texas being the most free state here, but then when you start hearing about all of these crazy laws happening, you're like, who, who were the people who signed these, you know, who passed these and signed this into law? The, the one, the hospital one was signed by George W. Bush. Mm. So it's like you think things on the surface <laughs> and then you start looking into the actual laws on the books and it gets really crazy. And that's just uh, thinking about the fact that we haven't even seen the state, like you mentioned, we haven't even seen the state turn blue. Imagine mm-hmm. how far downhill we would go if we see the state turn blue. Oh, God, that would be a disaster. Also, the Republicans will never win another national yeah. election. That's a whole other uh, situation there. Yeah. Can't well, lose Texas. Where would we move? Uh, Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> That's too cold. It is too cold. I there's agree. no. I just feel like there's nowhere left. Oklahoma, maybe. I mean, God forbid, though, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh, just kill me in that case. <laughs> Back in a minute. Wow, that's very <laughs> anti-Oklahoma talk. <laughs> that was just for Andrew Heaton. Oh, okay. Not here. That's true. Yeah. They'll hope you'll feel bad. They'll feel really bad, and then you'll feel good. <laughs> Before we move on to Kavanaugh, I want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. Um, So I was in a car accident 2013, messed up my neck and my back and my knee and all sorts of stuff. And everything kind of resolved itself except... Um, my neck issues and I had protruding discs. Well, I still do, but it's just a big pain in the rear and you don't realize until you're in it how much pain affects your everyday life. Like it's just, you're in constant pain. You're grumpy all the time. Maybe you like cause fights with your spouse for no reason. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just saying maybe. Seems very oddly specific. I, yeah. I wouldn't know. I'm just assuming. <laughs> um, but a lot of us, uh, including me, have had a lot of success here at The Blaze with Relief Factor. It's 100% natural. It's drug-free. drug free. Uh, It fights the inflammation in your body, which you know is often the root cause of your pain. So if you are trying prescription drugs, big pharma, as Stu loves, mm-hmm. uh, and nothing seems to be working for you. I tried that. I tried acupuncture. I tried, you name it. I tried massage. Nothing has worked for me except Relief Factor. Uh, you can go buy the Quick Start Pack. It's a three-week Quick Start Pack for $19.95. 70% of the people who buy that go on to keep purchasing it. It's working for the majority of us. It can work for you. Go to relieffactor.com or you can call 800-500-8384. Josh, our good buddy Kavanaugh, 
who, you know, yeah. we fought so hard. Well, not we, but I'm nervous. We I'm fought nervous so hard to, to, to get him yeah. on the Supreme Court. Yeah. And Democrats fought so hard against it because he this was just going to be the end of uh, free society. Yeah. <laughs> right. With Kavanaugh. He's just ultra uber conservative. There's no turning back. Yeah. So this was the amusing part of the entire Brett Kavanaugh fiasco as a former law student, as a lawyer. All throughout law school, Brett Kavanaugh, to me, was never this particularly conservative guy. I was very familiar with his record in the D.C. Court of Appeals. He was the guy who literally wrote the legal roadmap to uphold Obamacare. It was a case called Seven Sky. It was actually the reason most people understand that Brett Kavanaugh was actually not on the Federal Society and Donald Trump's first judicial list. was mm-hmm. a, as a means of punishing mm-hmm. Kavanaugh for coming up with this. So... Look, here's the deal. We are less than a year into Brett Kavanaugh's first term, but I'm ready to sound the alarm because this needs to get better, needs to get better quickly. He got to a rough start really early on. There was a case, there was a case in December where he refused to grant a writ of certiorari, so to grant a hearing in a case involving Planned Parenthood. Basically what happened was various state governments were trying to defund Planned Parenthood from their Medicaid programs. It was a kind of procedural, not substantive abortion case, but abortion-related. Mm-hmm. He refused to grant cert to that, just as Thomas vociferously dissented and actually really called out Kavanaugh quite personally in his dissent. He said, "This is we're probably not granting cert here due to the nature of the party involved. We're getting a little wishy-washy when Planned Parenthood has a named party to the case. There have been numerous death penalty cases where Kavanaugh has sided with the liberal bloc. He overturned a Texas criminal court of appeals, which is the, fi- the highest criminal court here in Texas, he refused to defer to their assessment of who would count as an intellectually disabled person under Supreme Court precedent, which is actually also flawed in my opinion, but under that precedent, you're not allowed to execute someone who's intellectually disabled. Kavanaugh refused to defer to the highest court in Texas's assessment of who would count as intellectually disabled. Hmm. He had a really bizarre kind of First Amendment establishment clause adjacent death penalty decision where he basically said that this Buddhist man in Texas who was a murderer and was going to be set to executed could not be executed because a Buddhist uh, monk, I believe is the right word, was, was not in the, in the actual chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this kind of built up. And then uh, yesterday there was this weird case, um, Apple antitrust case, generated some headlines. 5-4 decision, Kavanaugh sides the liberals. It is a, an aggressively pro-plaintiff's bar opinion. It's not substantive. They don't actually reach the merits of the antitrust lawsuit. But he basically says this case can proceed. In my opinion, highly flawed. It seemed to overrule a 1970s case that basically said that you can't have what is called pass-on theory in antitrust law. Mm-hmm. Pass-on theory essentially is that you have to sue the direct person that is, that is liable. It's actually the same theory of liability discussion, right? Mm-hmm. So in this case, Apple, which takes a 30% cut from the Apple App Store, they were then passing on the cost to developers. Mm-hmm. So this lawsuit that was an antitrust monopoly lawsuit against Apple theoretically should not be able to go through because it's actually the app developers, not Apple itself, that are passing on the cost directly to the consumers. Kavanaugh opens up the floodgates for massive litigation, sides with the plaintiffs, anti-business decision. Neil Gorsuch writes a scathing dissent. He's completely right. So I'm sounding the alarm on Kavanaugh. Uh, This could get better, but here's the thing. Some people like Rush Limbaugh in the air yesterday were talking about how this is Kavanaugh trying to appease the left. He's trying to show them that he's not this evil guy that they tried to make him out to be. I don't actually buy that. I would like that to be true because in my mind, if that were true, then we could possibly expect him to get better. But I just worry that this is who Brett Kavanaugh is. Mm-hmm. I, th- I, I think he is a country club Republican. He is the guy from Bethesda, Maryland, to win the Georgetown prep. He's, like, he's, he's, he's frat boy Brett. Yeah. He is not a good old boy. He's not like an Amy Barrett. He is not a, a heartland conservative. So I'm sounding the alarm on him. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong. Ami, Ami, okay, relax, hear me out. Hear me relax. out, right? Because you are a pre- uh, Democratic presidential candidate sitting at Correct. the table. Correct. 
What if Brett Kavanaugh was a plant by the Democrats <laughs> and they made a big stink about him on purpose <laughs> to make us put him through knowing he was going to be a Democratic plant? Mm. My That's, new party yeah. could have pulled that off <laughs> if they weren't so dumb. <laughs> Look, um, I, I think there's a lot of truth to what they were saying. The first term has been over yet. Okay, so I think we need to hold off the alarms. Let's not also forget that during the first term of, um, of uh, Justice uh, Thomas, mm -hmm. he also voted oftentimes with the liberal wing, and often I think people were also using, ascribing to the same motives with Kavanaugh. So I think we need to wait, need to give, these are people who are gonna be sitting there for decades. I think the history books will be written years from now. I think we have to, um, we have to pull a, a foot off the uh, the gas pedal. It seems right like now. Uh, like again, like he, you drafted a quarterback and he's having a, a pretty bad first year. It doesn't mean necessarily it's going to be bad, but I, I got to say the same thing. I don't see it. I see I don't I don't see the strong arm. I don't see the accuracy. That doesn't mean he doesn't develop it. Maybe he does. Uh, but it make, I'm definitely at the point I'm nervous already. And I, I didn't like the pick initially. And I will say, like fundamentally, you brought up something that is I think really key to this and and just is infuriating, which is they had a list of 21 at the beginning that had Gorsuch on it, and it did not have Kavanaugh on it. Mm -hmm. So unless you, he named 20 other Supreme Court justices that I missed, why did we need to add five more names, including, including Amy Coney Barrett, by the way, as well? It was not on that original list. That original list was really strong. It was the best of the best. There's still 20 people sitting on it that we did not name to the Supreme Court. And I don't understand why we just go back to that original list. Why? Remember, this is a, a good chunk of the reason Trump got elected was that list. Where a lot of conservatives, they were calling us like crazy, saying, like, look, I have a lot of problems with him, but that list is really good, and it was approved by the Federalist Society. And the fact that he's adding names after him, and now we're, the suspicion is the next juror is probably going to come from there, too, probably Coney Barrett. But again, she has a shorter record, and there's reasons to be, she looks good to me, but I mean, there's reasons to have some nervousness there. I don't know why we got rid of that first list. Does anyone know why we named more people? So I literally think it's as simple as Brett Kavanaugh is really personally chummy with Leonard Leo, who's the executive vice president of the Federal Society, and Don McGahn, who's a former White House counsel. Yeah, McGahn, mm. he's yeah, close to, right? Yeah, he's, mm -hmm. he's, he's like this with McGahn. So like, I, that, it's all about who you know. Yeah, that subsequent, I mean, Kavanaugh, is the inside, he's the insider guy. He's the mm. D.C. guy. He's yeah. from Bethesda. He's on the D.C. Court of Appeals. I mean, they all know him. They all socialize with him. He worked in the Bush White House. I mean, I, th I think it's that simple. I, I, I mean, I, th I, th I think your point is sound, right? I mean, Clarence Thomas got off to a, kind of, to a slow start as well. I just worry that Kavanaugh has enough of a track record and biography. He's like, he's a Bush Republican. He's a big government Republican. He's not a small government conservative. And I don't think I've ever heard him actually self-describe as a constitutional originalist. Mm -hmm. I mean, Thomas would always describe as that. So I'm worried. Even, I mean, Gorsuch got off to a great start. Gorsuch, mm -hmm. was, Gorsuch right off the bat was joining Thomas dissent, Thomas dissent, Thomas, you know, hopefully eventually Thomas majority opinion, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, I, so look, I hope I'm wrong. I mean, obviously we are early on, but I think it's time for conservatives to be very wary and be paying very close attention. I think it actually brings up a more interesting point. Last word. Yeah, which is that there was a study done on how often the liberals vote with the conservative wing and vice versa. And what it showed was absolutely explicitly that the liberal wing votes almost exclusively with the liberal wing and the conservative wing Often, not oftentimes, but sometimes we'll vote the liberal wing. And I think it's an interesting perspective on how each views the course. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, back in a minute. Less legislating from the bench. All right, Ami, running for president. Tell us why. Ooh. 
Well, it's, it's, it's really simple. I, I, when I found out what the qualifications were to get on the debate stage, I thought, this is kind of achievable. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not saying I'm doing this as a troll. I'm yeah. not saying that at all. In yeah, fact, this is a serious I, this, run. This is, no, and the reason why is I decided to do this is because I saw the Democratic Party has become so radicalized mm -hmm. over the past several years. I mean, listen, we've seen this leftward movement sort of inexorably happening over the last really 15, 20 years. But the shift has been so dramatic over the last couple of years that I thought their, their, their point of view is so radical. I mean, it used to be like right-wing conspiratorialists would ascribe these views to Democrats and be like, oh, you guys are crazy. They don't believe in open borders. Mm -hmm. They don't believe in socialism. Mm -hmm. They don't believe in late-term But they do. Yeah. I mean, that's what's coming out. It's, I mean, these are, these are positions that 90% of the country don't ascribe to. I, and I, the majority of the Democrats don't ascribe to. Yeah. So I felt like my voice had to be said. And that's why for one, this is the greatest yeah, dollar you will ever spend. For one dollar, you guys can send me to the Democratic debate stage at omniforamerica.com and see the greatest show on earth. Love it. All right, more to come in overtime. It starts next. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. I mean, you said earlier, uh, is this a spoiler alert that Rashida Tlaib is, in <laughs> fact, an anti-Semite? Yes. Oh my did I say that I, did I, that I give it away? It's I'm shocking. sorry. God, I'm sorry. Yes. So Rashida Tlaib, okay, so we all know that there's this weird strain of anti-Semitism going on in the Democratic Party. Ilhan Omar is a perfect example of that. So Rashida Tlaib recently made comments about the Holocaust, and I think we have that sound. You know, there's a kind of a calming feeling I always tell folks when I think of the Holocaust and the tragedy of the Holocaust and the fact that it was my ancestors, Palestinians, who lost their land and some lost their lives, their livelihood, the human dignity, um, their existence in many ways have been wiped out and some people's passport. I mean, just all of it was in the name of trying to create a safe haven for Jews post um, the Holocaust, post the tragedy and horrific um, persecution of Jews ac across the world at that time. And I love the fact that it was my ancestors that provided that, right, in many ways. Um, but they did it in a way that took their human dignity away, right? And it was forced on them. Mm. So I'm not sure where to start to unpack that <laughs> comment, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> but let's just start with this, just the historical revisionism that's mm -hmm. happening here. Uh, her people, the Palestinian people, uh, first of all, did not make a safe haven for Jews. The moment the Jews got there, they started the pogroms against the Jews. And then, of course, they had an entire war where all of them, the Palestinians and all the nations surrounding Israel, tried to abort it at birth. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the Grand Mufi of Jerusalem, Al-Husseini, was a supporter of, uh, of the Nazis and had met with Hitler on a number of occasions to talk about trying to extend what he was doing into the Middle East. So I, I think we should start with that. That's just a minor detail though. Yeah, I don't think it's the biggest yeah. deal in the world, but I think that what's the most telling was not her comments because I expected it from her. Yeah. She has said it before, she, and I said it before, she's an open anti-Semite, as she is with Ilan Omar as well. The telling and saddening part of this was the cover she was getting from her own party. 
the defense, the, the full-throated defense she was getting from Nancy Pelosi and from Seth Meyers. I don't know if you saw it with Seth Meyers' interview he did with her yeah, oh yeah. just recently. Yep. I don't know what's going on with him also, but the Meghan McCain thing, defending Ilhan Omar, mm -hmm. like he's gone crazy too. And these are the so quote unquote moderates of the Democratic Party. These aren't, it's not the AOCs of the world who I kind of expected. Right. But Nancy Pelosi, who is not an anti-Semite, has made it a habit now of defending anti-Semites. I find this incredibly troubling. Josh? Yeah, I mean, we all should find it incredibly troubling. Um, the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem is not an even like remotely debatable figure in terms of his views on the Jews, okay? He literally met with Hitler in Berlin, as you said. He actively trained Muslims to send to wipe out and annihilate Yugoslavian Jewry. He was tried at Nuremberg. Mm. He was tried as a Nazi war criminal wow. at Nuremberg, okay? So the Palestinian people going back at least to the Hebron massacre of 1929, where hundreds of Jews were murdered in, in Hebron, deep in the heart of the Jewish heartland, and continuing way, well throughout the mass Arab invasion of 1948, we're not trying to provide a safe haven for the Jews. They actually actively lobbied the British government all throughout the Shoah to keep Jews from emigrating to Israel. And the British government, to their ever shame, largely acceded to those anti-Semitic uh, acts that the, that the Arabs did. So her history is just way off here, um, but you know what? Um, she is who we thought she is. Stu, I know we talked about this a little bit yesterday, and you were not convinced that she is, in fact, an anti-Semite, I think. I would not summarize my views in that okay. manner. Uh, um, <laughs> no, but I, I, well, you, here's, here's, you thought maybe it was just... the one line I will draw on this. Yeah. Um, the sort of t Twitter summary of her comments is she felt a calming when she thinks about the Holocaust. And, like, it's sort of this idea to say, like, oh, she feels warm and fuzzy when she's thinking about all these dead no, people. No, she clearly wasn't that saying that. That is not what she was saying, right? That's, yeah, it's that's an unfair not, summary. But I'm not sure the president but, was saying that, though. Yeah, I've, heard, I've, I've seen that a lot. Like, I, that is the way that even, I think, Steve Scalise kind of, he, you know, when you summarize the comment as, she said she felt a calming when she was thinking about the Holocaust, like, that makes people think, you know, I think something that isn't what she was saying. But to be fair, Steve Scalise's spokesperson actually did clarify what, and, okay, and, what, and okay, the way good. she clarified it was actually right. Okay, good, good, good. Because I think, you know, there's, there is something I think similar to the um, Ilan Omar 9/11 comments, where she said it was you know some uh, some people did some things. Mm -hmm. People were like, oh, she's just blowing off 9/11. And I think it's a little bit of a different problem, but both of them share it, which is they have shown no connection at all to these events. These are not personal to them. There's no like her her connection to the Holocaust is oh well, a bunch of Palestinians got thrown out of their houses. You know, like right. the Ilana Mars connection to 9/11 is ah, some people did some stuff, but Muslims got beat, got got harassed. It's like there's no connection to the way that you know traditionally, certainly Americans have viewed these events, um, and I, it is uh, it's it's so deep they've marinated in that world for so long they don't even see it. I think Rashida Tlaib there is honestly trying to make a positive point. She thinks in her mind saying that, look, my Palestinian people, they gave up all this stuff for the Jews. And that makes me feel good. Like, that is not what happened, first of all, at all. That is not the way that thing came down, as you guys have pointed out. And also, it's just it's just a complete separation from the way that we would look at this uh, event. The, 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 the tragedies that seemingly I thought everyone felt the same way about, they feel the complete opposite way about. They see it from such a different right. worldview. And, 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 it, and it, it's really, I think, 
it's in the DNA of this whole new movement of the left. Look, everything needs to be contextualized. And, and, and if, if she had said that comment in a vacuum and mm-hmm. then apologized for it, yeah. I can say, okay, you misspoke, you misunderstood, you know the history, fine. Yeah. But she has a history. Yes. It's not the first time she's made comments like that. Mm-hmm. She has made a number of openly, mm-hmm. n- unequivocally anti-Semitic comments. Yep. So therefore, you, can't, you have to look at it contextually to where her positions have been and where she is, and that's why she doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, no, when it comes exactly. To comment like that. I mean, her 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 record is clear, and that's why I would I wouldn't I wouldn't summarize my views as saying she's not. I do think she's an anti-Semite completely. I mean, we've seen it over and over again, and that. But there's a real strain of it there, and it's it's so deep inside of them that even when they're trying to specifically do the opposite, they can't help but show everyone their true colors. Look, it used to be that the argument that the left would make is I'm not anti-Semitic, I'm, I'm anti-Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay, that veneer has actually been wiped away. I, I did a video recently at, at um, UNC. Mm-hmm. It was a joint conference between Duke and UNC where there was open anti-Semitism. Ostensibly, the video was about, um, about uh, Gaza and how bad Israel is. And look, it, it's shocking. It's terrible for me to say, but I expected it to become an anti-Israel fest, and it was. But unfortunately, that doesn't surprise me. What did surprise me was that they invited this Palestinian rapper who was rapping openly about being anti-Semitic. What's happened now is that intersectionality has taken over the Democratic Party, and that's what's led to the anti-Semitism. Because their viewpoint is, is now this. Because everything is looked at through economic lens, um, they say, well, Jews are powerful, Jews are rich, therefore they're oppressing the people in the lower class, therefore I'm anti-Jewish. It's as simple as that. That's what's the, now what is underneath all the anti-Semitism on the left. They, they no longer need to say, I'm anti-Israel, I'm anti-Semitic. That, that's gone away. Now it's, I'm openly anti-Semitic. I also think, um, and I'd love your thoughts on this, that, you know, the mainstream media helps them out tremendously um, in that regard because, you know, they'll report on, you know, oh, these Palestinian children were harmed, you know, when Israel, you know, fired uh, and leave out the, the fact that Israel's just getting rained on, you know, and just trying to, to defend themselves. And so they, they're not reporting it. They're only reporting one-sided, which leads to a lot of the people who are consuming this media thinking that the Palestinians are just, you know, completely innocent and don't want any sort of fight with Israel. Yeah, look, I mean, first of all, I don't think they even need that mm-hmm. for their position. I think they're, they're pretty dogmatic when their position is when it comes to Israel. It's all just reinforcing it at that point. Um, and I always say the same thing. I mean, and, and it's, it's, it's almost trite to keep saying it, but what would the United States do? If thousands of, of, of missiles were coming in yeah. from from Mexico, what what kind of reaction would we have? I, I might argue it might be actually uh, a, a little more aggressive yeah. than what Israel has done. In fact, you know the statistic I, I always cite is that when when NATO goes to war, and NATO is among, if not the most, um, uh, when it when it comes to ethics in war, probably the most ethical army we've ever known. And when th- when we've gone to war in Afghanistan, an, an open area, usually when we kill one militant, uh, 15 innocents are killed. And that's actually pretty good relative to what the numbers are according to war. Israel, when it goes to war in uh, Gaza, the most densely populated place on planet Earth, where the people you're trying to kill are hiding behind human shields, Mm -hmm. the UN's number is one to one. It's an incredible, incredible number which blows away all historical statistics when it comes to ethics and war. Yet Israel is still demonized by them. I wonder why. The one Jewish state. I don't know. Mm, Do the math. I mean, the IDF innovated like this leaflet dropping strategy, right? Where they literally drop a leaflet on the the building of these innocent Gazans to say like, get the heck out of here. We're about to bomb your building up because you're actually a Hamas operation. 
it, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, Hamas has the most infamously cynical strategy of all time, right? They literally call it the CNN strategy, where they literally just try to play for, like, the masses, and they're literally trying to kill their people to get dead babies on TV. The problem is not what an evil jihadist regime does. The problem is that the Western media, as you said, Sarah, is completely complicit in it. Yeah. Uh, all right. I would be remiss if I did not bring up Alyssa Milano oh, in no. the company of three gentlemen here. Mm. <laughs> uh, as we all know. So you're saying I have no chance with her now? Is that what it is? It went <laughs> down mean, to zero? I mean, did you really want a chance with her in the first place? You know, Alyssa Milano's kind of cute. Is she? Yeah, I think I my wife was. Yeah, she was. She was. Back in the day when she I was, was. Now she's days, I was like, a, I was like a, she was like, I think she was my, school, my you know, grade school girlfriend. She, in my mind, she was. Really? Uh, she, she does just not didn't know, that. know it. No. But she became. In fact, she was very afraid that she didn't know it. That's why you don't make decisions in grade school. You're eating paste, and then you think you want to marry Eliza Milano, and then you realize, God, that would be just torture. I, I didn't eat paste. I don't, oh, okay. I don't know what you're talking I thought, about. I thought uh, <laughs> that was a thing. Okay. My bad. Uh, so she is, of course, encouraging everyone to go on a hashtag sex strike uh, because of all of the strict abortion laws. Uh, I know that they're targeting one in Georgia right now, the heartbeat bill. And, um, you know, so she had said, women, stop giving the men what they want. We are going on a strike until they overturn these laws. She is now apparently doubling down on it. And um, she is saying they are also talking about the men. They are also trying to take away our access to birth control. If you get pregnant and exercise your right to choose your own destiny in healthcare, you may be thrown in prison. Mm. I am not sure of the accuracy of that statement. <laughs> You're not? I'm you really not. not? I, I mean... Is it challenging for you to figure that one out? <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but also, it drives me nuts when they try to use the point... Um, and Ami, again, as the, you know, the, the Democrat here at the table, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. No one is trying to take away access to birth control. What, ha, why is that even a talking point? Who is trying to take away access to birth control? Uh, nobody. Okay, great. I'm, I'm glad I'm you cleared that I'm pretty sure you can still go to Walmart and pick up some birth control. Yes. So yes. there was that famous commercial that the left was running against Cory Gardner, where they kept saying, Cory Gardner bur- banned birth control. It was like <laughs> yes. a, they went to the future, and they were like, Cory... Like, in the future, Cory Gardner's going to ban birth control, and I have not I seen him that. make this no. move at all. Like, I mean, he's been in Shocking. there almost an entire term. Look, I, I think I have, I have a pretty moderate position on abortion, mm-hmm. right? And, I, and I, I, I think most of the country kind of feels that way, mm-hmm. is that it's, uh, it's Roe v. Wade and it's uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which is when the baby is viable outside the womb, you can no longer have an abortion. It's now a child. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how, the, how you keep... I, you know what? It always burns me when people listen to Lano use that term health care. Oh, That's healthcare. It really it bothers me a great deal, yeah. and um, yeah, I mean, I think most people have that position. I think, and again, another reason why I'm running because they've moved so radically to the left on this. Well, you know, when I sat there and I watched, I remember watching on TV, and I watched, I was watching CNN. Sorry. And um, <laughs> when, DQ disqualified. When, when this, that's right. When the state legislator in New York voted for the for the late-term abortion bill, and I saw them standing and mm-hmm. clapping, lighting up the Empire just State Building, like, and, I was yeah. disgusted by. It. That's what you're clapping. Okay, and again, maybe that you want it, but you're going to be so emotive as to stand and clap for something like that. It just yeah. it felt I was deeply disturbed by that. Yeah. Deeply. Safe, 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 legal, and rare is dead. The rare part of it is dead. Oh my it God! Is. Of course. Oh no, they're they're literally at the shout your abortion stage yeah. now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, I have two thoughts about this. First is literally no one's trying to, to take away your birth control. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. At the most, what conservatives are trying to do is say that if you are a religious institution, especially a Catholic institution that might you know morally object to birth control, 
you shouldn't be forced by the government to subsidize it for your employees. Right. Or also, like, yes. me, myself, yeah. as, you know, an individual, I don't yeah. want my health care premiums to go, right. you know, to someone else's birth control or whatever, you know, for, to have it be free right. for them, which is a thing that they're saying, you know, it's just because it's not if it wasn't free, doesn't mean that it's banned. Right, it exactly. It just means Different. you have to pay for Basic it. Basic logic here, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. But at the same time, conservatives of all stripes for years now, I, I, I include myself in this, have advocated for over-the-counter birth control sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember Bobby Jindal wrote a Wall Street Journal op-ed after Mitt Romney lost in December 2011, or 2012, excuse me. It was called, the, the title was like, like The End of Birth Control Politics. And his entire, and Bobby Jindal is a devout Catholic, by yeah. the way. And his entire solution was make this over the counter, mm-hmm. get out of politics, like easy solution. But the other takeaway from this is my friend Casey Maddox had a good tweet on this. He said, I never thought that we would reach the point where we would see leftists rediscover biblical sexual morality to try to own the cons. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. and, and now they're admitting, oh, my gosh, wait, abstinence is, in fact, the best yeah. way to prevent unwanted pregnancies. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, crazy. It's almost like some other people were saying that this entire time. I don't know. Call me crazy. crazy. Uh, all right. Remember, you can tweet us your questions and comments using the hashtag TheBlazeWhy uh, today. Okay. I... Stick with me on this one, because whenever we talk about transgendered individuals, I, I just like the female and male and trans. It's a little bit difficult to follow. Mm-hmm. So um, Alan says, do you think a transgender female to male competing in male sports? So I'm assuming this is a female born a female right. going no, to no. male competing mm-hmm. in male sports would receive this would receive the same praise from the mainstream media that the trans males are receiving for the females. Do you think there would be equal outrage? Wow. It's a, it's a, it's a question. That's a good question. Um, I will say what we've seen whenever there is a born female competing against males well, uh, wait, that just doesn't happen yeah. because the, male, the women will never well. win. Right? <laughs> they don't like, do that well. Yeah, there's not going to be a, a, an incentive for the woman. Ma- women who were born women and, and have had certain roles in, in, in male sports, right? Like, there's been some colleges that have had kickers that are women and mm-hmm. stuff. It's like, I, I think, you know, there's at some level, uh, at some level, like, if you're going to do this, then you just need to combine everybody. And then there will be no women playing sports at all. They yeah. just don't have men's and women's sports, you know? I mean, like, if it's supposed to be the ultimate merit-based activity, right? That's why people like it. It's a pure merit-based activity. So if you start moving these things in where you're taking guys and then them, then they're, you know, they're saying they're women and then they're dominating these sports, it it takes all the fun. It's supposed to be fun, right? And it takes all the fun out of it. Did you hear that that, the weightlifter, the transgendered female, so born a male, uh, Mm -hmm. the weightlifter who won those championships, the, the, the weightlifting federation or whatever it was, took the championships away from him? How dare they? How dare they? This is something you can fix when you're president. That's right. Mm-hmm. Could you please? Mm-hmm. Yes. Ask the platform. Can I use my pardon for that? Does that do? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what my powers are. Uh, all right. Yesterday's poll, should, ah, should Tlaib be censured for her Holocaust comments? 91% of you said yes. 9% of you said no. I don't know who that 9% is, but I don't respect it. Uh, <laughs> in today's poll, should Trump keep imposing tariffs on China? Oh, let us That's know. I'll be interested to see what they say about that. It one. will. Hashtag Tarifageddon yeah, is yeah. very split uh, in our audience. Yeah. Stu, I, I mean, I know what your answer is, I but go ahead. I do not think there should be tariffs, no. I do not. Okay. I, I'm very anti tariff. Yes, Josh. Uh, I am anti tariffs for sure as a normative, basic free trade matter. 
I'm actually lukewarm and possibly supportive of this. I, I view China as the unambiguous number one geopolitical threat this century. Yeah. And as far as tariffs are purely procedural, it's part of a comprehensive anti-China strategy, I could probably get behind it as a short-term measure. Ami, what do you think? I, uh, I would like mercantilism back in place. <laughs> Look, uh, of course we're anti-tariff, but with China, it's, it's just not a competitive playing field. You, you, in order to make it competitive, you've got to match tariff for tariff to make it free trade. There is no free trade right now. So unfortunately, we have to take these actions in order to make sure that, look, they are more susceptible to yeah. our tariffs than we are to them. Yes, I, by, by, yeah. by, so by a, a large measure. It is a game of chicken. No, it's a, it's a very large geopolitical game of, of chicken. Which I just wish, we, I wish we could figure out a different thing to play chicken with, you yeah. know? But, but I mean, I, I understand like China's not been a good, good actor. I don't like their laws. Uh, you know, their, their idea that they, we have to transfer technology when companies go over there. Of course, companies could also choose to not, to not go there. sell there. And Correct. like, you know, and I would say if we have laws that they don't like too, and we are a sovereign nation and we are able to pass them, if we don't, if they don't want to, you know, they don't have to come over here and trade with us. We don't have to trade with them. I don't like the idea of, of you know, because it's not just China. It's also Canada and it's the, EU, it's the EU and it's, it's you know, it's, it's Mexico and it's everything. I mean, he, you know, he got this NAFTA renegotiation done and he didn't take the tariffs off afterwards. Um, now we still yet to be passed, so maybe that's going to happen. But it doesn't seem like a negotiation. At some point, you've just done it. Right? Well, the, tariff, like, the tariffs worked with Europe, particularly with car manufacturers. They, we were being tariffed at a higher rate than they, we were tariffing them. And that, it did change. It did change our behavior. It's not that you can't like if you put a gun to someone's head, you can get things from them. It's possible, though I don't necessarily Note think with self. our allies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something to remember next time you're out at McDonald's and the line's too long. Um, but it's like it's one of those things that I don't necessarily think that's the best approach with it. I, I think, look, I think free trade, and, and we can say there's lots of problems with the China situation, for example. Yeah. One of the good things about it is we've lifted two billion people out of poverty, and I think it's the largest component of that. Uh, capitalism spreading in many ways because of free trade has done that. Um, and I think, you know, there are negatives. It's not, it's not perfect, but I think it's been a really positive thing for the world. And I think, because I think you're right, because China is a bad actor in this, and I think there are things we should do. But I, I worry that what we're seeing now is a, a, a battle about free trade that was won. It was won by economic conservatives. To the point that Democrats were like, yeah, I know, on that one, we're not even going to fight you, right? And now we're coming to the point where we're giving up this thing that has, you know, in many ways helped so many people live that would have normally died all around the world, including here. And it has helped our, you know, helped our economy as well. We're now giving that to the Democrats. And the Democrats are going to look like the free traders here in about five minutes if we don't watch what we're doing. And so I'm, I'm nervous about that. I just don't want this to be reversed. I like the idea that it, you know, if it's one thing, you know, he, Trump seems to really be supportive of these things, though. He's been doing it for multiple decades. So every time I hear the, the negotiation sort of argument, I'm very skeptical of it. Mm-hmm. But I do hope I, I, that is what I'm praying for. He said one time when he was at the I think it was the G8 where he was like, you know what, let's just all turn this tariffs to zero. We'll just do it that way. And I don't think he meant it at all. But that's what I mentally is what I hope he actually believes. Yeah, yeah I, that's the issue is that he actually seems to genuinely believe in the economics of tariffs. Like he's a mercantilist balance of trade kind of guy. And this is obviously 1600, 17th century discredited theory. So I think he's partially arguably right here, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Let us know what you think at Fingers The Blaze's crossed. Twitter. That is at The Blaze. Ami, before we go really quickly, um, if there are some Republicans at home watching who are just maybe for whatever reason not comfortable with the party right now give them a reason why they should consider voting for you once you make it to the stage oh yeah i mean uh because look we we we're living in an age of polarization it's not healthy for the country Mm -hmm. i don't think any party or even any ideology has a 
dominates the right answer. I think there are right answers on both sides of the aisle. I happen to think that right now the Democrats, um, their extremism is taking them out of mainstream um, politics, unfortunately. Uh, but I think for, for Republicans out there, look, if you want somebody who's middle of the road, who's moderate, who can see both sides of an issue, I, I mean, I call as I see it, then I, I'm, I'm the guy you want to support. And tell them one more time how they can help you get there. Let me, I can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. AmiForAmerica.com. Send me one dollar. One dollar. And I promise you the greatest show on earth. And the people who really should want me on the stage, by the way, are the networks who are going to have the debates. I guarantee you, yes. I will get 4X or 5X, whatever they got in the last Democratic <laughs> debate if I'm on stage. All right, thank you guys so much for being with us. We will see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm ready for you, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. Can I get you to talk to Josh for a Supreme Court seat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm up, I'm up. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.